You're listening to Advice from Your Advocates, a show where we provide elder law advice to professionals who work with the elderly and their families. Welcome back to Advice from Your Advocates. I'm Bob Manner. I am a nationally board certified elder law attorney in Michigan, and I'm very excited about today's podcast. We have a repeat uh, podcast, but this one's going to be a, a special topic here. So we have Elisa Bosley, who is a chaplain and founder of Spiritual Elder Care. So you should go back and listen to the podcast that we did before with Elisa. But today we're recording. It's in the middle of the holiday uh, time of the year for us. And so we thought it would be an appropriate conversation to talk to Elisa about how to incorporate your loved ones that have dementia into your family traditions, your family religious traditions, and things like that. So welcome, Elisa, and thanks for joining us again. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. It's great to be back. So, Elisa, tell us a little bit about your ministry with the uh, the spiritual elder care. Sure. Uh, I am a licensed non-denominational Christian chaplain, and I have a special focus for meeting the needs of older adults who are living with Alzheimer's disease or other dementias. Uh, I also have a heart and calling for helping others to do that kind of work. Uh, it's my, my calling to make it as easy and doable for other people to do this kind of spiritual care, which I just think is so important. So I've created an enormous uh, repository of resources, Bible study, discussion guides, and church wor- worship services, and uh, recorded classic hymns, all designed to be suitable for adults that are living with dementia. And uh, they're all for free on my website, spiritualeldercare.com, and on YouTube. I also consult with people one-on-one and just try to try to make this kind of care uh, common rather than rare. Well, Lisa, I know we talked last time about this, but I so much appreciate your ministry um, with my own parents having gone through, uh, you know, the dementia journey. It was very difficult. They'd been lifelong, um, you know, participants in their faith and their religion and their church. And it was very difficult to incorporate that. And so it's nice to know that there's a resource out there that can help us to incorporate this um, very important part of life and make it more palatable or more sort of user-friendly if I'm, if I can use that term. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It's such a, it's such an important part of so many elders uh, backgrounds and such a high value for them participating in their faith traditions. And so to suddenly, or, or, you know, even gradually not have access to that, faith expression or ways to enjoy and gain comfort from their faith. I just, I couldn't live with that. So <laughs> that's where spiritual elder care came from. So I encourage everyone to take a look at uh, Lisa's website and uh, all of the resources that are there because it's, it's, it's just a great resource and to offer this to the public for free and on your YouTube station. Uh, so, so very important. So Today is a timely topic. Now, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it may no longer be the holiday season, but really when it comes to faith and and family traditions and things like that, it is a year-round thing. So whether you're listening in the holiday season or not, 
this is still going to be relevant. But as we record, it is you know coming up on Christmas. So I wanted to talk to you today about how, uh, if you can give us some tips on how to incorporate uh, the care for your loved ones suffering from dementia in the upcoming holiday plan. So if there's going to be family parties, if there's going to be going to midnight mass, it might not be an appropriate uh, best option for someone with dementia, but you have to incorporate some of the religious traditions or some of the family traditions um, if they're hosting someone uh, with dementia this holiday season. Mm -hmm. That's great. Such a great question. And as you point out, it's uh, so appropriate during the holiday season. But these ideas also pertain to family reunions or birthday gatherings. So I hope that they're helpful. Um, I think the main thing uh, that I would say to start with is to plan ahead, to, to give it some thought ahead of time. That might sound obvious, but it could be that, you know, you think, oh, well, they'll just come and it'll be all fine. And that's really not accurate because if you have someone joining you that is living with dementia, there are going to be changes. And for the person living with dementia and the family members, giving some thought ahead of time is going to set both of those parties up for success. And that's what you want, right? You want to realize before you even have the gathering that things are going to look different. And I think during the holidays, that can be especially challenging. I know, you know, families have a certain way of doing things and a certain way things should look and a certain menu that they're going to have. And so having that flexibility can be especially hard during the holidays. So again, thinking ahead and um, realizing that things may not look exactly like they used to look uh, to manage your expectations in that and to be ready and able to let go of some things and to be flexible as an act of love, right? That not just sort of, oh, darn, we have to do it in a different way, but really taking the time to create a posture of we are going to be flexible and not uh, demand that things be done exactly the way they've always been done as an act of love to this person who, 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 by the way, can't help it, right? It's not like the person living with dementia is just being difficult or trying to be stubborn. Mm-hmm. They have a brain disease. And and that to me is a really important um, compassion building <laughs> attitude to take. I'll give a quick example and, uh, and one tip. <laughs> my quick mm-hmm. example was that uh, my parents used to always host the any of the holidays mm-hmm. and we'd have four generations we have i have a very big family and so we'd have you know kids and grandkids and great grandkids and uh all of that and what we realized after a couple of these was that uh my mother would notice the cues and so it's very interesting how the brain works even with dementia notice the cues and one of the cues that she seemed to um, seemed to get a bit agitated by was when it got dark outside. Mm-hmm. Well, in Michigan, it gets dark pretty early in December. <laughs> and right. so we had to adjust the time of our party because we, us- you know, we usually would have, 
got there when it's still light out, but it wouldn't be too long before it got dark. Well, we realized that her brain was telling her that means it's time to end the party or Mm -hmm. it's time to go, even though she was at home. And so it was an easy adjustment for all of us to say, hey, let's make it where we start a little bit earlier, because we realize when it starts to get dark, she's going to might be where she's anxious because she's thinking, "Okay, that's a cue to me that I should leave or that these people should leave or things like that. Mm -hmm. And so it was a nice, easy adjustment just to say, "Okay." How hard is it for us to to change the party by a couple hours? Let's get started a little mm-hmm. bit early. That's an excellent, excellent example. Yeah. Uh, my tip is if you have a family like mine and we're bringing in multiple generations, one of the things that was true is occasionally there'd be a new person coming, um, a girlfriend, boyfriend of one of the grandkids or, you know, those types of things. And my tip is to make sure that there's a conversation about that beforehand. Mm -hmm. People have different levels of understanding and experience with dementia. And if uh, the new person is coming and doesn't have that life experience, they Mm -hmm. might um, not be very nice (laughs) to somebody Mm -hmm. that keeps repeating themselves or asking the same questions and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those things, like you say, plan ahead, start thinking through some of these things. If there are going to be new people, maybe, you know, look up at some of the resources at your website. Maybe look at, you know, ways to make sure that you're uh, kindly letting them know that there's a unique experience that they might have there okay. and to be nice. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you're you're basically reading off of my notes because that, that's exactly right. I think, uh, you know, the example I, I think of is many years ago, we had a huge uh, reunion, a family reunion. And ahead of time, I uh, asked my mother-in-law's permission to send a letter to the rest of the family explaining the current condition of my father-in-law who had Alzheimer's. A lot of the people at this reunion hadn't seen him in a long time. And I wanted them to feel, again, you want to set everybody up for success. I wanted them, they loved their, you know, Uncle Rex and they wanted to know what to do, but they didn't. And uh, so they had, I was able to create a letter that just gave them some basic tools saying, look, there's no shame in this. You know, let's take that stigma out of here and say, look, this is just a reality that we're dealing with. Here's how we can all enjoy the time together. Here's how we can give my mother-in-law some, a, a, a break and a chance to, um, you know, hang out with people in the family that she hasn't seen in a long time. And it can be the simplest things, right? So again, giving people a heads up. Um, a, a lot of people can react badly if they don't uh, have the tools. Be- there's fear, you know, there's fear and there's right. frustration and, oh, the person's just not trying. It's not that at all. Again, there's a it's a brain injury. So that kind of tends to help people <laughs> with a category. But there's other simple things like wear name tags, it's like, oh yeah. It's why wouldn't huh. you? You know, that helped like me. <laughs> sure. And and you know, it might everybody might think, oh, that's ridiculous. This is just our family. Everybody knows each other. But again, if you're wearing name tags, that takes a piece of that that puzzle for the person living with dementia. They don't have to guess what the person's name right. is. And and you should never ask them like, oh, do you remember me? What's my name? Right. right. That's another, you know, mm-hmm. just a, a, a helpful tip. Please don't quiz the person. 
please don't uh, right. argue with them. They're, it's not that they're not trying. It's that they can't access the information that they used to have in their brain. So again, name tags are, are such a simple thing. Everybody can wear one and it just makes it easy. And then when they, when a person interacts with uh, the person who has dementia, they can just offer that relationship. Hey, Uncle Joe, you know, right. hi, Grandma Mary, you know, so the, the person hears that and says, oh, I'm the grandma. Oh, I'm the uncle. And they have that piece already there and then they can interact. This It's just, you know, simple, loving tools that you can use. And the holidays, you you alluded to this, Bob, the, the holidays are such a perfect um, setup because there's so much um, tradition and repetition. Like you said, your mom could recognize some of the forms, including when the sun went down. But the, tradi- the traditions are myriad, particularly during the holiday time. So there's a real opportunity to have a lot of success because those forms are so familiar. You know, the, the things that people see, the things that people hear, the things that people smell or taste during the holidays, there's all those long-term memories. So there's a lot you can work with there to set people up for success. I know that you and I have talked about this before in the context of uh, religious services, but mm-hmm. the importance of um, um, music, the importance oh, yes. of the the things that they, you know, you can never forget a certain tune. And uh, to incorporate that, especially if that has previously been part of traditions to do, um, you know, somebody p- play the piano or right. maybe have some religious hymns, things like that, that could be a real nice um, addition to the party. Mm-hmm. Oh, music is a huge one. I mean, you can you can have music in the background. You can have, like you said, a sing-along. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you want to think through, again, this is part of that preparing ahead of time. You want to think through ahead of time. What did this person enjoy doing? What did they do well? And did they do they enjoy helping? Would they like to help set the table? Would they like to help even, you know, cook? Now, that would be something like having them stir something or add an ingredient, right. you know, what did they like to do? Give it some thought ahead of time and then say, okay, how can we simplify that? How can we um, engage that person effectively? Let's have it all set up ahead of time. You know, again, this is, uh, we we should start with this really. This is all about imparting dignity to the person, to the person with dementia. And at the same time, making the time pleasant and enjoyable and meaningful for everyone there, right? Because there's, uh, when you do um, focus on, okay, we're going to make this a, a dignified, meaningful interaction. We're not just going to invite the person and then put them off in a chair and hope that they're quiet. Right. <laughs> you know, we're going to say, this is, this is a person that's part of our family. They always have been. And they still are. And their level of cognition or cognitive ability doesn't change that. They're still a person of dignity and a member of this family and a member of this friend group and a member of this church. And let's acknowledge that and make it work. Well, Elisa, you did a perfect segue into my next question. I did want to kind of change the the conversation a bit because we've been talking about how to incorporate 
I, mm-hmm. I think we need to have to answer that question: Why? Why mm-hmm. to incorporate the person mm-hmm. with dementia into the plans rather than you know not include them? I do think that some folks might have that tendency to say, "Hey, well, you know, if they have some memory issues or things like that, maybe we'll just not invite them or leave them out." Mm. Why is it so important to continue to? have your loved ones with dementia participate in the way that they can. Oh, yes, that really is the key. Uh, again, that that incredible uh, value and reality of their dignity as a human being. We want that for ourselves. And why would we uh, take that away from someone or not make an effort to um, express that uh, inherent dignity to someone who has a a brain disease. Why would we do that? Why would we not accommodate them? So it's up to us to uh, learn some tools to make the effort to welcome people living with dementia because they aren't, they don't have the ability necessarily to engage with or interact with our world the way they used to, but we can enter into their world. We can do that. We have the ability. The other well, there's many reasons why. The other reason, again, we alluded to these traditions by their very nature are embedded so often in long-term memory. And that is where people living with dementia live. They live in place of the long-term memory. And the the procedural components of the holidays and uh, those rituals, the sounds, the smells, the taste, what we were talking about, those are already, they're hardwired in. And the music, again, is a huge part of that. I think the other why is that the people living with dementia have a lot to teach us, a lot to offer to us. Because, you know, what better time in the holidays? We tend to get this, like, everything has to go fast. And there's this hyped up sense. But when we stop and think about it. We think, no, what do I really want the holidays to be about? I really want the holidays to be about connection and love and the expression of all that really matters in life, right? <laughs> Who we are as people, our love. And, and people living with dementia really force us, force isn't quite the right word, but mm-hmm. by their, by their very being, uh, we are required to slow down and to really pay attention to what's going on. So as we are connecting and making an effort with a person living with dementia, they serve us. They teach us to, to slow down, to really focus on what matters, to stop and smell the pine cones in this case, right? To, to really um, enter into what we inherently know is the really important part of, the holidays or really any gathering. That reminds me of the story from the Bible with uh, Mary and Martha mm. and uh, <laughs> just the, the importance of slowing down and that we, right. regardless of if we have somebody with dementia, that taking time, you know, at the holidays to not worry about if everything looks perfect or mm-hmm. if we have the perfect tree or the perfect decorations, but slow down and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, engage in the experience of it. Right, right. We can get so wrapped up in, in you know, I got to do this and I got to do that. And it's got to be like this. And so it's back to what we said at the beginning. It's like, no, we need to learn to let go and to be flexible and to slow down 
And I guarantee the blessings and the beautiful points of connection and the surprising things that can happen when you slow down with someone living with dementia. It's, it's wonderful to see. I have innumerable stories of, you know, sort of what happens when you're slowing down and paying attention. Well, you've mentioned about, you know, it's important to plan ahead and kind of set the stage. And, and one of the parts of setting the stage is making sure that that first, the first part of it, I think there's always, um, anytime you're going into any setting, anybody with social anxiety will understand that you, as soon as the, the walk-in, the introduction, the beginning of it sometimes is the, is the part that has the most anxiety around it. Once you get settled in, everything is good. And so um, talk about that, maybe um, how to navigate the arrival of your mm. guest that has dementia. Oh, what a great question. So, yeah. And yeah, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head. It's like you, you want to at every at every juncture, at every opportunity, you want to be aware to simplify, to not get too fast or wrapped up. Um, and that includes just like right when you get there. I think one of the things that I that I was as I was thinking about this ahead of time, if it's a family gathering or a large group gathering, you really might want to consider a buddy system, basically a one-on-one buddy system for the person living with dementia, because a one-on-one interaction is going to be far easier, far more likely to succeed than, you know, a a person with dementia trying to interact with a group. It's just too much stimulation. It's really hard. So it could be that a family or a, a gathering, a church gathering ahead of time decides, okay, we're going to have a buddy system and you're going to be the person that I greet, uh, you know, and then 15 minutes later, um, maybe so-and-so will come sit down with the person and just have a one. And they don't even have to talk. I mean, they really should follow the lead of the person with dementia. Do they want to right. eat something? Do they want to chat? Do they just want to sit and watch a little football or a Christmas movie? Do they? And maybe, you know, every so often that, you know, buddy system, you, you trade off number one. So the caregiver isn't necessarily the person having to do the entire, you know, gathering by themselves. Number two, um, it, it again, sets up the person living with dementia with for better success, having just a, a one-on-one conversation. And number three, it teaches, <laughs> teaches the people there that do care about this person. I am presuming um, mm. that they don't have anything to be afraid of, right? That they right. can be with this person and love them and uh, serve them just by holding their hand, you know, being with them for a few minutes. So that's one thing I would say, especially if it's a larger gathering, if you can kind of get those smaller, um, smaller groupings or one-on-one even better. And there's also, it, it, it's not a bad idea to have, planned ahead a quiet room that you could go to. Like, it's just, you know, I know family gatherings, there's little kids, there's dogs, <laughs> there's, you know, there, everybody's cooking and da, 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 there's a lot going on. And maybe you have just a, a quiet bedroom or a little sitting room or something where the one-on-one, the person living with dementia and one other person can just go and just sit and maybe sing a song and, or look at some pictures. Again, they don't really even have to talk. 
But just mm-hmm. to kind of give that sensory uh, calm, uh, whether that's for a long time or for just a few minutes, you kind of have to, you know, gauge that. How's the person doing? Look at their body language, see how it's going. But it's it's helpful to have a little place to remove to. I like that. That's My goodness, idea. I do that. And when I'm in a big yeah, party, too. like go hide yeah. for a few minutes in the bathroom or something. So, yeah, that's a couple. Of I ideas. have uh, five children and their natural uh-huh. tendencies uh, when they go over to grandma and grandpa's would be to just swarm, <laughs> go in, right. swarm, immediately give hugs. Um, in the later stages, what we decided and, and made a point of, uh, you know, getting the kids to understand the importance of this uh, was to sort of take shifts. And instead mm-hmm. of immediately going and swarming, we knew that we weren't going to stop the youngest from going up and hugging grandma. So yeah. youngest got to go first. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we'd have that get some, you know, calm instead of being swarmed and all this activity and all these things going around, just, you know, one at a time, they'd go and mm-hmm. they'd sit down, they'd give grandma a hug, they'd uh, go down, you know, and sit down for a few minutes, uh, you know, talk through things and then take a minute, even a little minute in between. And uh, so they kind of had shifts and they enjoyed mm-hmm. it because they really got yep. more time with grandma that way rather than everybody just kind of swarming and then going off and, you know, getting snacks or something like that. So <laughs> that is I a think great that's strategy. That's a great strategy. Mm-hmm. And you make an excellent point. Do not shield children from their loved one with dementia, right? This is a valuable, valuable um, learning experience. And again, nothing to be ashamed of. And I think as we, oh my goodness. And of course it's so great for the elders who love to see children. I, I've not yet seen a person, whether they have dementia or not, an older person who doesn't love the energy and just the joy of having small children around. So that intergenerational thing is just, really great. Do not shy away from that. It's a, it's an excellent opportunity all around. You've addressed this a bit, but I, I want to highlight the point of the size of the gathering and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some strategies and, and you've discussed this, but I just think it's worthy of um, highlighting this and, and just to emphasizing the importance of being um, aware of the size of the gathering, if there's things that we can do to, um, you know, kind of address that. We don't necessarily not want to have the whole family there, mm-hmm. but to maybe have it be where we have segments or we can do it in, in smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. And you said it at the very beginning, be flexible with when, you know, uh, accommodate the person and the caregiver's schedule you know, and, and know what's the best time of day for them. How, when are they at their best and, you know, arrange, if you can arrange your time to suit that, you know, so that they'll, they'll be in a better place, better able to um, engage. Yeah. We, we addressed this a little bit earlier and it's a good segue uh, as far as what you're saying, as far as the timing and, and looking for those triggers, what if, you know, what are some of the warning signs that the celebration is becoming too overwhelming and mm-hmm. what can you do about it if you, you see that there, there maybe is uh, too much stimulation? Mm. Yes, we've touched on this a little bit. Um, I would say certainly watch the person's body language. You know, if they're starting to um, look angry or distressed, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that, 
something's wrong and that, that it could, there could be just too much going on for them. Are they looking or sounding uncomfortable? Just be aware. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that lightly. I understand that in a big group that can be hard, but that's where that buddy system is going to come in real handy. If you have someone who's mm-hmm. just right at their time, they're just focused on that one person. They're not trying to talk to 10 different people. They'll see that, that you can pick up on, on cues like that. If they are, if the person is getting agitated and starting to speak in an agitated, something triggers them. This is something I learned from Tipa Snow, who is just a luminary mm-hmm. in dementia field. She says, Absolutely. you know, don't try to talk them out of it. Actually match mm-hmm. their tone. They're mm-hmm. upset. They don't want you to tell them that they're not, they shouldn't be upset. Don't be upset. Don't be upset. It's okay. That's just going to make them more upset. Right. And I've, I've used this myself and it's incredible how it works. So I'm, I'm thinking of someone who something triggered her. She was convinced that somebody was stealing, had stolen her glasses and she was just, I, that he's coming. He's coming to get my glasses. I, I've called the police. I, I'm, what's going to happen? Nobody's listening to me. And I said, Oh my goodness, that's terrible. That I can't believe it. I'm so glad you called the police. I'm matching her tone. Right. right. So she feels seen and heard. And, and then as I'm matching her tone, I'm slowly starting to ramp it down, right? Like, mm. okay, we're going to, we're going to really, we're going to be on top of this. This person is not getting back here, not while I'm here, you know? And she's like, yeah, well, I'm, I, I, this, what if he comes back? You know, I was like, nope, this person is not. So I'm just ramping it down, right? Nope, this person is not going to come back. We are safe here. You're with me. We're not going to let anything happen. And, and I kid you not, she said, thank you for listening to me. Thank you for listening <sighs> to me. And she just gave me this huge hug. And then, you know, it took a while. I'm saying, I'm telling you this in 30 seconds, but it took, you know, probably 10 minutes, maybe. Sure. And, and then she was, she was okay. Right. She, she got past that, whatever that trigger was, I didn't need to figure it out. I didn't need to correct her and say, mm-hmm. what, what, you're, you know, what are you talking about? Nobody's here. Nobody got in. In her reality, she was in trouble and I needed to acknowledge right. that and, and then help her feel, like I said, seen and heard. So there's that. There's also an issue that, um, and I've, I've had this happen to me too, where, where I become part of the problem <laughs> for mm-hmm. whatever reason in the person's mind, they get mad at me. Right. And again, it's really important. Don't take that personally. Right. They're not, right. it's not something that, oh, they're actually mad at me. There's some trigger that's going on. But if you, if you're in a situation with a person living with dementia and you realize that you are part of their agitation, you need to just get out of there. Just remove yourself from the situation. Again, here we back to the buddy system, right? Somebody else needs to step in because right now in in their mind, you're part of the problem. I'm, you know, I'm part of the problem. And I, like I said, I've had this happen. I don't do it intentionally, obviously, but right. I just re- remove myself like, okay, now I'm part of the problem. I don't need to understand why. I don't need to ask why. I'm just going to re- remove myself. And then in, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, come back in. They won't likely remember. And just working with that. And then again, having that, having that quiet room, making sure they're hydrated, making sure yeah. that you, you put some water or punch or something in front of them. If you ask them, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? They'll probably say no, because mm-hmm. to even figure out whether they are, that's too hard. 
So, you know, make sure, make sure there's something to drink in front of them. Make sure there's something to eat in front of them. If they haven't gone to the restroom in a long time, just gently say, Hey, let's, let's stop off here at the restroom because they might just need to go to the restroom if something's starting to agitate them. Um, yeah. So those are just some tips. Music again is a great way to kind of ramp down any agitation. Just get to a place where you can play something that you know they love. That could be Bing Crosby or, you know, smooth jazz or, uh, but again, that music can be a lovely calming influence. So those are just a few ideas. Well, Elisa, such great advice, uh, especially for this time of year when we're celebrating the holidays and um, interacting uh, with religious communities and going to religious services. All of these are excellent tips. I highly encourage everybody to check out Elisa's website. If you can tell us the website again. SpiritualElderCare.com. Excellent. SpiritualElderCare.com. And Elisa is also available for um, for consulting. Uh, and I think that you've actually maybe consulted with some assisted living and memory care organizations, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this would be an excellent thing to try to incorporate into your uh, your care facility, if uh, mm-hmm. especially at this, you know, this time of year. Mm-hmm. So appreciate uh, everything that you do and appreciate you coming on our podcast. Uh, thank you so much for uh, all of the advice and all of the work that you do. Remember, if you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and you can listen to the podcast on any of the podcast services where you listen. You can also watch on YouTube if you like to see our smiling faces, but don't forget to subscribe and we will see you at the next podcast. Thanks Thanks again, Bob. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit manorlawgroup.com.